Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering the divisional round of playoffs. So we're just going to recap that, go over each of the four matchups. We are going to talk about league news, and we're going to preview the conference championships for Sunday. So we can uh, get started and talk about the Texans at Ravens. We both went Ravens. We were both correct. I secretly hoped for a miracle, but the the Texans' run has come to an end. The, the Ravens won that pretty handily in the second half. Close first half was tied 10-10, although because of uh, a return touchdown for the Texans, they couldn't get really anything going on offense. So no offensive touchdowns. Uh, the run game kind of sputtered out a little bit. And the Texans looked like a team that needs to add uh, another offensive weapon because Tank Dell was out. Nico Collins was really the only reliable guy. Um, Schultz had a couple drops this postseason. He's playing with some kind of neck thing. So uh, uh, Texans defense played pretty well for the first half, but everything kind of just fell fell apart. But Jeff, from an outsider's perspective, how did you feel about this matchup? I know you sent me a text at halftime. Surprise. Yeah, I didn't expect it to go into halftime tied up, and it does seem like Lamar fired up his guys at halftime, and there are reports that he lit into everyone at halftime, and the way that they played in the second half, um, they they were able to get a comfortable victory in the end, Um, but again, Stroud already has his first playoff win, Uh, this is nothing to boo-hoo or cry about, like, no one expects a rookie to go to the Super Bowl or a first-year starter to go to the Super Bowl. So it's just something that it's part of the growing pains, and it's it's a lesson that you guys will take with you going forward. I do think the way that you did lose probably keeps Bobby Slowick in town for another year, which is only going to benefit C.J. Stroud and his growth. I think switching to a new offensive coordinator and potentially a new scheme would be detrimental to a young upstart quarterback. And there are teams that switch offensive coordinators like it's going out of style. And some of them make schemes changes and some of them don't. I know we were talking a little bit about that offline, but the Ravens this year did switch offensive coordinators and it kind of turned Lamar into a better and more pocket passer. He still does run the ball, but I think he's much more selective about when he runs the ball. And I think that really has improved his game and more importantly, his durability. Yeah. And I will just say that CJ Stroud looked more like a rookie in this game. He was very indecisive. He kind of panicked a little bit through too soon or made some incorrect reads, in my opinion, because the Ravens kept getting to him. Uh, the Texans, on the other hand, like early on, they were getting to Lamar pretty well. I, I mean, Lamar's Lamar, and he ran around and did a lot of uh, escaping. But the same token, the Texans did what they had to to disrupt him in the first half. And I mean, ultimately, the second half is where they came apart. But it's impressive to me that the Ravens can keep going this way when they really only have Zay Flowers as a realistic weapon week in, week out. I know Isaiah likely can have some good plays, 
in good games. But for a team that has four first-round wide receivers, I would think that the wide receiver production would be a little bit better. Because that Flowers, Bateman, Aguilar, Beckham, all four of those guys were drafted in the first round, and only one of them is playing like it right now. So that might be something that bites the Ravens in the butt uh, as they progress through the playoffs. But to me, they're one of the top two, top four teams in the entire league, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, for sure. I think Houston really missed Tank Dell, as you mentioned here. I would like to see Houston go into the bag and find a running back. I don't know if that's hitting the running back market, which should be very plentiful this year, or drafting one, but it does seem like one or maybe even two running backs are needed to be added to the squad to make them more effective and better for the postseason. Well, it's not even just running back itself either. It's also center and guard that they need to upgrade on because they get no push on run blocking whenever they're out there. They're the Texans are a very good pass blocking team, but run blocking they can't they can't make the, their running backs lives any better. They just can't get any push. So running back, offensive line, um they're gonna have to retool their defense because a lot of their guys are one year deal free agent types. Uh, tight end, maybe, unless they really like Brevin. So they're going to have to target a bunch of people. Yeah, we're going to, but I, I do think they like Brevin Jordan. Uh, I think to answer your question on the, everything that I saw during this game shows that they at least like him and want to get him more involved. Now, I don't know if that means being a every down tight end, but I do think that that means he, he can have some involvement next year. I don't know if they bring back Dalton Schultz. I think that you would like them too but i still don't know if they actually do it and if they commit resources towards bringing him back for a second season in houston or try to find a tight end in the draft or on free agency i did think it was interesting that a lot of the passing touchdowns all went the tight ends for both teams so you got uh i guess the next never mind that was last week i'll cut that out <laughs> All right, next up for Baltimore, they potentially get Mark Andrews back at tight end as well. So that could be a big upgrade going into the last two weeks of the season. I honestly can't believe we're down to the last three games of the season right now. And uh, let's break down the last three games of this week. Anything before we put a bow on the Texans season, Alex? Anything that you would like to say about your team before we move on? Nope, just the uh, future's going to be brighter, and uh, next year's going to be better. I think it's going to be much brighter since you held on to the offensive coordinator, most likely at this point. So, all right. So we're going to move on to the Packers at the 49ers. We also got this game right, which we are going to see as a theme this week, which is amazing, which means that we're getting some of the best teams for picking with our brains here. So it means we're getting some of the best teams as we hit down the stretch here. Um, I think Purdy struggled in this game. I know you have a different outlook on that. He started with the glove. He took the glove off. He had trouble gripping the ball. He had trouble throwing the ball. Uh, and I think a lot of that was because of the weather conditions. I think Love, given the defense that he was playing, stood up and really showed up. And it does seem like, reportedly, this offseason, that the Packers will pay Love. And that means that they're going to make him a top-paid quarterback. So the gamble that they did 
paid off sort of because they did a two-year bridge contract last year so they're gonna it sounds like they're gonna tear up that last year of the bridge contract or just extend off of the bridge contract but it does, I, I do believe that love has already earned his second big deal and we'll see if the packers can continue to be successful when love gets paid because we all know that it's very easy for a rookie quarterback with extra talent around them that they normally wouldn't have or be able to pay. And it's a whole other thing when you're a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen and others who are getting 40 or 50 million per season. And then the cupboards, you have to pay one or two less people and it, it really affects the high-end talent in the room, so you need to have a quarterback that can lift that talent. The only good thing for the Packers is they have a very young core, so all of their pass catchers are in their first or second year, and only Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are in their second year. And everyone, all the other four, the two tight ends and the other two wide receivers are rookies. So for me, this is the time to pay the quarterback. You have cheap, controllable pass catchers, and I do like what Green Bay has the potential to build on. They were never meant to go this far because who goes this far with first and second year wide receivers? All right, enough love for Green Bay. Alex, I'll let you break down the 49ers side of the ball here and let me know what I missed on the Green Bay side of the ball. Well, well I, I think Jordan Love did pretty well for having young guys all around him and facing the 49ers defense. I do think Brock Purdy played a little bit better than you're giving him credit for. I think he did have struggles earlier on. He had that one brutal throw that could have been a pick six. That happened to Joe Flacco twice last week against the Texans. So, I mean, it happens. You have a bad throw, and it's either going to be picked off or it's not. In this case, it wasn't. He benefited from a little bit of luck, but I thought he played better as the game went on. And I, I think that also it's only his second year in the league. So cut him a little bit of slack in that regard. I do think that the 49ers were the better talent now. I think Green Bay, they seem to have hit very well in the last two drafts, and I think that they have a lot going for them, and I think that they'll be back in the playoffs maybe next year as well. So I think Green Bay had a, a decent showing. Uh, I expect more from their passing uh, pass catchers going forward. Uh, I think they could have done better this game, but Aaron Jones did really good. Christian McCaffrey did really good for the 49ers. Those guys really were the, the backbone of their teams. I really think George Kittle has re-solidified himself as a top tight end. So I'd be curious to see where he falls on uh, everyone's rankings for next year. But I, to me, he's he's a top two or three. So he's I don't know why. My list. I don't know why you're so low on him, Jeff. But uh, I really like George he's, Kittle. He's point three points behind Mark Andrews on my list for number three. So they're in the ballpark coin toss, and I have Sam Laporta five points ahead of him. And then Kelsey's still my number one right now, even though Kelsey has a negative multiplier. So Kelsey will not be the... He won't be a guy that you reach for in the first round this year. I don't think any tight end will be, given the dearth of talent and the um, and the uh, in incoming talent from the... Um, from the uh, rookie class and yes i know the word dearth means lack of there has been a lack of there is no longer a lack of talent on the tight end position going forward we could see mark andrews on the on the go this year now that isaiah likely has become a pass catching option for baltimore as well so we'll see what happens 
there this off season. As we know, it's never too early to start preparing for the next season. But you're right, Purdy did in, uh, improve as the game went on, and I think that's really good that uh, he was able to do that. I do think they're the most talented team right now, and I don't think this is the last time that Green Bay and San Francisco will play in the postseason over the next three or four years. So there will be a rematch. Yeah, but Debo Samuel went down with an injury in this one, so we'll see if he ends up playing in the conference championship. I don't think that they need him as badly as some people think, and I think Detroit's a very winnable game even without him. I mean, I would honestly, I I might be rooting for the NFC this year because I like both Detroit and the 49ers at this point as someone who's not invested in their divisions that much, so... I I could root for either one of them. Uh, we, and we can talk about these matchups coming up too, but I don't think I could watch another Super Bowl with Kansas City in it. So I'm just hoping <laughs> it's either the 49ers or Lions and the Ravens because if Kansas City's in there again, I don't know if it's going to be watchable for me. <laughs> you'll watch it because you'll root against them. <laughs> I don't want to see right. Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl and not performing. Stop. There's so many more sports fans. I don't know if you saw the, the Bills and Chiefs when we get to them. It, 53 million fans watch that game on TV. So, I mean, that was the most watched divisional game ever. I don't know. So I don't, how many people, I, that many people watched your Bills disappoint at the end, huh? No spoilers, sir. No spoilers. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um, but... I just want to know where the people are four, five, six years ago saying that the NFL is not going to make it. It's not going to survive. Those and people Cuban. are, is really just one person. And that was Mark Cuban because people <laughs> said the NBA is going to disappear. I still yep. think that's a possibility, but the NFL is the most liked sports in all of the Americas. So, and it's getting better and better. It's getting bigger and bigger and it's getting more international too, because I think they're going to have like seven, like six or seven international games this year. Like that's insane to me. Like they're expanding their fan base uh, still, and now yeah, I think they your got Panthers Swift. are now one of the teams. Swifties. Yeah, I think your Panthers are one of the teams that's hosting a game. Germany, Germany, but that makes sense because next year the NFC gets seventeen. Or sorry, out of the seventeen games, they get nine home games. So it makes sense that the NFC teams outside of Jacksonville, because they always play one home game in London, will be the home team in all the international games next year. So, and I kind of like how that switches back and forth each year, but I still see that 18th game becoming a thing eventually. Oh, right. So you had just mentioned that the Lions and the Lions did win against the Buccaneers and we both picked the Lions. So another win right in our column. And here Baker versus Goff was another good one. I think, I think CJ Gardner Johnson has been talking a lot of trash on Baker and I think Baker did just fine in this game. Like, this was a game up until that last interception, and those happen when you're trying to get your team back from a deficit, and sometimes you got to force the ball, and that's just what happened in that situation. I think Baker and the Buccaneers should stick together for at least one more season, but uh, in the end, the Lions overcome and win. Alex, what were your thoughts on this game? So... My thoughts on this game was uh, I might change my opinion on where I stack Jameer Gibbs for next year. So that was one thought. So I, I'm probably going to have him a little bit higher than 
than I was even just a week or two ago. So uh, I'm really liking Jameer Gibbs. He really put the team on his back a little bit. And Jared Goff, very good at home, very good in the fourth quarter. I thought Baker had a really good game. I know he had those two picks, but even with those, he still had a good game. Mike Evans had a good game as well. He almost helped them win the game. So um, I would have liked to see more Trey Palmer because I think Trey Palmer is some guy is a guy that can really open up the offense for Tampa Bay, and he's been fairly reliable the last few weeks. So I would have liked him to get a little bit more. I still don't buy into Rashad White. I don't think he's that efficient of a runner. Uh, I know he was a fantasy guy for you guys out there because he put up a lot of points because he got so many catches. Uh, I just don't think he's a good runner, and uh, it's painful to watch him actually run in the NFL. So I would like them to get a compliment, maybe like a bruiser type, to uh, soften defenses up so Rashad White can tear them apart. But uh, for the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown is awesome. Uh, I thought he could have had a better game than what he had. Sam Laporta looked phenomenal, and I was kind of concerned about him because coming off that knee injury, I wanted to make sure he's all right, but he looked really good in this game. But like I said, Jameer Gibbs was the man for the Lions. So I, I'm encouraged, and uh, I think that uh, the Lions head coach is better than what Jeff thought he was. So uh, he looked like he did uh, a lot smarter decisions in this matchup. For sure. So let's do a quick exercise. So I'm assuming you have Christian McCaffrey ahead of Jameer Gibbs next year? Yes. What about Jonathan Taylor? That's close because with Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor might ha- not have as much usage. What about Brees so, Hall? Oh, Brees Hall is above him. Okay. What about B. John Robinson? I would default to above him because the coach is gone, but it would be very close. So I've already went on record on this. If Bijan, if Bill Belichick is hired as coach of the Falcons and Bijan doesn't get his fumbling tactics under control because he lost three three fumbles last year, we could be seeing a lot more Tyler Algier than folks would be comfortable with in that situation. Yeah, but Ramondre Stevenson has fumbled a lot, and he's still the starter in New England. Is he? <laughs> I mean, he got injured. He got injured. That's the only reason that that he started stumbling. He got injured, and his quarterback was so miserably bad that they stacked the box. All right, so we got three folks ahead of him and one tied with him. What about Joe Mixon, ahead or behind of Jameer Gibbs? Behind. Elvin Kamara. I'm going to put him behind only because they have so many mouths to feed when it comes to receiving. There's so many tight ends, and he'll also steal goal line touches, and I hate that. Kyron Williams. I'd put Kyron Williams over him. Travis Etienne. I'd go Etienne over him. Okay. So we you got him like sixth or seventh going into next year. Unless you got Nick Chubb ahead of him, which I'm assuming you don't right now yeah. due to the knee. No, I'd put Nick Chubb over him. Okay. So that's seventh or eighth then. But that's still like a top 24 pick going into next year. Yeah. Which is higher than I was going to have him because I was initially thinking of like third or fourth round. And now he's probably going to be second or low in first. Yeah, I think he's going to go over Bijan for me right now. He's projected over Bijan. He's the fourth projected running back on my list right now behind McCaffrey, Taylor, and Hall. But Bijan's number five, so it's not like Bijan is like way down the list. But Montgomery's 12th, so like I don't really know how that, or 19th, sorry, I misspoke. He's not, he's, he's 19th. 
I think I put Montgomery just, like twenty four ish next year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, him and James Cook are going to be battling for that twenty four spot. <laughs> Lies. Lies. Are you sold on James Cook now? Are you sold on James no, Cook now? I'm not though, because his projections nailed him out at twenty. Because I don't expect him to get more than than four to six touchdowns next year, and that really hampers his fantasy value. All right, tell John, tell uh, Josh Allen to stay in the pocket and quit running. I know he needs to do that in the regular season and only bust out the Superman in the postseason because that fifty-two yard run last week was amazing. Well, speaking of Josh Allen, uh, are we done with this matchup? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is, what do you see happening with Evans, Godwin, and Baker this off season? I have a I very think clear Baker, path. Baker, and Godwin stay. Um, Evans, it depends on if Tampa can clear up the cash for him because they have one of the best defenders slated for free agency, and he's not the only good defender on their team. So they have a bunch of guys that they have to pay and uh, not enough money to go around. Uh, so I could see Evans going to another team, but I'm still 50-50. They should keep him because I think they can still be competitive, but I think uh, there's a chance he slips away. So here is what I think is going to happen. I think they re-signed Baker to a 40 to $45 million per year contract, maybe for three to four years. And I think they franchise tag Evans, and I think they trade away Chris Godwin. Uh, Chris Godwin has a cap hit of $27 million next year. How much cap do they clear up? So if they did a trade straight up with no post-June 1st, it would be $1.1 million that they would clear up. Free and clear. If they did a post-June 1st trade, they clear up $20 million, which would be more than enough to keep Evans around. And the same thing with a post-June 1st release, they would clear up $20 million. So, And he's still, he's 28, so he's entering the back half of his prime. But there's going to be teams out there that are wide receiver needy, and Chris Godwin wasn't the worst thing in the world this year. And given and i don't think baker's the best quarterback for a chris godwin type and i also think that trey palmer could take a giant second year leap if godwin is out of there and playing opposite evans so uh, that's my that's my guess right now what are your thoughts it's possible it's possible i've just heard too much about uh they're considering using the franchise tag on baker which means they'd have to extend mike evans and it might be cheaper that, that way for them. I mean, there's a good chance that they might extend Godwin or renegotiate his deal and clear up like ten, fifteen million, which might be useful. But yeah, I no. Don't know if if, I if they could keep him and save up ten, long-term. do it. Yeah, Dude, I I think their team is better with Godwin and Palmer on it because Palmer doesn't have to be the two; he can be this three that doesn't get a ton of attention. Yeah, Palmer's good as a field stretcher. Like he he's pretty good in that role. He kind of came out and, late, uh, I know. And Mike Evans is good as a contested guy in the red zone target. Godwin's good over the middle from the slot. So, they, I mean, they even have Kate Auden. So, they have weapons. If they can retain their key defensive guys and kind of retool a little bit, they have, have a legitimate chance to win the NFC South again and make playoffs. They also have Russell Gage coming back, who they probably could cut as well. Yeah. 
because remember that during the Tom Brady era, they had signed him. He's 28 years old currently, Russell Gage. But uh, so if they cut him right now, they free up $11 million just by cutting him. I think they probably do that. Yep. And there's only 2 million in dead cap. So I think they let him go. And that's huge towards retaining Baker and retaining Evans. Wow. They could really make this work kind of quick. Kind of quick. I think it's also crucial to bring back the defensive player, Antoine Winfield Jr. Because he, yeah. in my opinion, is one of the best defensive backs in the league. So you want to be able to get yep. the ball back to your offensive players as well. Yeah. I just, I don't know who they tag though. If, if I had my bet, it would be Evans because Evans is going to be the most sought person on the market. I don't think Baker's that saw on the market, but I could be completely wrong on that. I just feel like there's been several teams that have already had Baker and would offer Baker a backup job. But I think Tampa might be one of the only ones in the position that they are to be able to offer him a starting job. So franchise tagging him feels incorrect on that on that note. But on that note, we can move on to our last game. And that was the Chiefs at the Bills, and we both picked the Bills, and Alex, were we both right? <laughs> no, but it was a very, very, very close game. Best game of oh, the weekend. It was a really good game, and the Bills, they lost uh, 27-24, mm-hmm. but there, there was a lot of things uh, that didn't go exactly right for the Bills, so you had Stefan Diggs drop a really nice perfectly placed fall from from Josh Allen with like eight minutes left in the game that was all the way down the field right in his hands just whiffed it uh you had some conservative overly conservative play calling in the fourth quarter and mm-hmm. and uh, I think you can blame that at McDermott's feet so I, I think that there's some decisions that were incorrect decisions like they they could have gone for it on a couple different fourth downs but instead like they they punt or they kick a field goal and it didn't go well for them. Tyler Bass just has had a a season to forget as far as I'm concerned. And uh that missed field goal was pretty brutal. Um Dawson Knox looked like he was about to be a key contributor but got knocked out of the game uh with an injury. And you know, I, I think that a lot of guys dropped some balls, but Josh Allen still had a chance to win the game on his last drive and had to miss throws that forced them to kick a field goal that they ended up missing. So I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't think you can really pinpoint one person. It's just a team failure at this point. But I, I think that Buffalo should be back in a similar position next year, and hopefully they can win and make it to the Super Bowl next year. But I am so annoyed with the Chiefs. Board. Yeah, I'm so annoyed with the Chiefs. After the miserable regular season that they've had, they played very well in the postseason, and they beat a very good team. And I just don't want to see any more Taylor Swift stuff. I don't want to see any more uh, Dynasty stuff. I want to see teams win it that haven't won it before or in a while. And now we have Patrick Mahomes making it to his sixth AFC title in a row. So we'll see if the Ravens can finally shut him down. But Patrick Mahomes has won every divisional game in the playoffs that he's made it to, which is insane uh at this point he's at a better start to his career than brady was so jeff what did you make of this game i know it's your your home area team well after the game i i'm not 
a primary Buffalo Bills fan, I still sat there in disbelief and in depression and shock that the whole region has felt it's an absolute heartbreaking loss for Buff- Buffalo, not the team, the city, the surrounding area as well. Um, fans are sick of saying next year will be our year. And honestly, I don't know what it'll take to get over the hump. And I don't really know what to say. Now, I know you said Allen missed a few throws at the end. There was one play where he should have hit digs versus going deep at the end. But the other play, his offensive lineman was driven into him as he was throwing. And he had Shakir wide open in the end zone. And he underthrew him because he was hit as he was throwing. So... I don't really blame that on Josh Allen because obviously he his receiver wasn't open yet until he got hit and underthrew it. But uh, man, Josh Allen had to become Superman in this matchup. And in an ideal world, Buffalo would have enough around him where they wouldn't have to do that. They'd be able to lean more on the run game. They'd be able to learn, lean more on their receivers. One thing that I did take away from this game, though, is, is Kincaid was going to be heavily featured next year. He might even lead the team in targets next year. They're just using him in the screen game. They're using him all around right now. And between him and Knox, he is daylights ahead of Knox already as a rookie. So I just, that's a guy to target in fantasy drafts. I have him, I think, uh, tight end six right now, go right behind TJ Hawkinson for next year. So just a guy that's got an unbelievable upside and should get peppered with targets next year and a team where we don't know what's going to happen with Stefan Diggs. What do you think is going to happen with Stefan Diggs there, Alex? Oh, he's, they've already said that he's the number one wide receiver. They're not going to trade him. They're not, they're not going to do anything. Like they're going to keep him. He's going to be the number one. It looks like uh, Shakir is going to be the number two. Gabe Davis is going to be the deep threat, uh, deep threat. He's guard wide receiver. He's gone. Um, no, uh, he'll he's probably he's sign a, him. What, no, what's he, what team is going to pay him? Uh, he's the number two or number three wide receiver on the market right now. That's silly. I don't think he's that good of a wide receiver. I didn't think Christian but, Kirk was that good of a wide receiver, and he got, what, $70 million over five years? Yeah, it was like a ridiculous number, but yeah. he looked good when he was healthy. Anyway, uh, so it's going to be Diggs, Shakir. Uh, I think that Dawson Knox is going to be the primary tight end. And hold on. I think that Dalton Kincaid, if I was Buffalo, I'd use him as a third wide receiver and in two tight end formations, and then sometimes have him the sole tight end. But in my opinion, they should have Knox as playing an actual tight end and Kincaid, someone that they can move between tight end and wide receiver and just find ways to keep him on the field on offense. So I, I think that's. Those are their best personnel with those four guys, and I think that there's no reason to take James Cook out from the running back position ever. So Ty Johnson, I wouldn't ever have out on the field. So I think that if they can get creative with those guys, they get them in the space, they find ways to scheme them open, I think that they will be very dangerous. And Josh Allen is someone who I think very easily could have won this game. And I think he and Patrick Mahomes are two of the best clutch quarterbacks in the league right now and you can only really lose to another clutch quarterback i feel like so there's no no shame for josh allen i'm sorry the bills have to wait yet another year to to get their ring but i hope that you guys get it next year yeah i think uh i think 
and I know you're a Texans fan, but in the playoffs every year, sign me up for an Allen Mahomes matchup. Like, just sign me up for that. I don't care what round it's in, but just sign me up for it. It's so much fun to watch, and I don't even care who you're a fan of because the game is just amazing to watch, and it is just a master craft for an hour worth of football clock. All right. But sadly, that's over for the Buffalo Bills, and sadly, the divisional round is over for us and now we're down to the final three games of the season alex the last three but before we break down the two matchups coming into this week here we have a few bits of bleak news to go over and i will break down the first one here and alex what do you think about zach Ertz signing with the detroit lions on the practice squad but will be elevated most likely before their conference championship game I think it's nice insurance and they can get him up to speed with the playbook just in case anything happens to Laporta, but also they could have two tight end formations and use Ertz as well. So right now, outside of Amon Ross and Brown, I'm not really impressed with the other wide receivers with Detroit. I know Reynolds can step up every now and then. Uh, haven't seen much from Jameson Williams throughout the year. Like he's had a couple games and he's I've probably gone through some a couple injuries as well, but it's really Amon Ra, St. Brown, Laporta, and the two running backs there. So bringing in someone else who can also help and can protect him in case Laporta flares up with his knee or gets another injury because the tight end, tight end is a very important piece to this offense. So I think it's a good signing for them. I am shocked that no one else has signed Ertz yet at all. So I'm surprised he was still there available for the Lions. But it is what it is. Jeff, how do you feel about Ertz? I think it's a nice to have at this point. I do think they're going to give the 49ers fits in their matchup, but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if he can contribute. He's coming off of that injury last year, if you remember correctly, or uh, not this year. So the regular season, he's coming off of the injury, and then he got released by the Cardinals. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, it seems like he'll be the what fourth pass catching option maybe fifth pass catching option on the team going forward i think gibbs and st brown and laporta and then i think as you had mentioned reynolds who i really like a lot just i like his chemistry with Goff. i think uh Ertz is a nice to have at this point and we'll see if he contributes at all in the conference finals and we'll see if he'll be able to pick up any of the playbook quick enough but if you remember correctly also he was traded was it from the eagles to the cardinals Mid-season, and he had to pick up the playbook on the fly, so he is used to this. The guy who I've insisted that the Raiders were going to promote, the permanent head coach, Antonio Pierce, they have officially hired him as the head coach. He is likely to hire a new staff. He had Marvin Lewis on the staff last year as an advisor capacity. They're going to bring him in um, in a more advanced role than that, and I think that's good to have someone who's been a head coach to rely on i think antonio pierce is a a leader of men and i think that he got the entire team pumped and ready to play each week even when they weren't the most talented team they were still competitive against all their division rivals i think they won three three out of four division games since he took over so that's pretty encouraging for them um i think that's a good move in my opinion i know you completely disagree and you're entitled to be wrong that's totally fine but Antonio Pierce is probably the best hire, realistically, that the Raiders could have done right now. I don't think that higher-profile guys would have chosen the Raiders 
And I don't think that the owner has the money to pay the same level as the Panthers owner, the same level as the Chargers owner, the same level as Washington's owner. So I think Pierce is probably the, the best that they can get. And uh, he's a local. We grew up in that area. That's a team that he he followed as a kid. So I, I think it's a good situation all around. Jeff, why do you disagree? I think that it was very short-sighted. And I think that the owner bent the knee to the players, which hopefully pans out well. But I see them being in a situation where they're going to be in the exact same spot that they are right now, looking for a new coach in the next two to three years. And I don't know if he has a second pitch. So when people start to figure out his game plans and stuff, and this is why it's always like such a big deal for me to see someone second pitch and the next couple of news items we're going to get to a guy that has a very very good second pitch and uh kind of why he got a a gig as well but uh i like a guy that's on the off has his own scheme so i wouldn't even prefer the offensive coordinator to have the scheme because there is an alarming stat right now that in the last three years the offensive coordinators have all been cycled through once so no team has an offensive coordinator for more than three years at this point so it's pretty alarming, and it's going to take an offensive coordinator that he hires. And if he's good, he's gone in a year. And if he's not, then Pierce is gone in a year or two. So <laughs> it's just a it's it's a very short sighted hire for me. One against the Giants, the first game that he coached uh, as a head coach, which is the Giants were his former team. They won the thir- uh, thirty to six, and then they beat the Chargers sixty three to twenty one in December, scoring the most points. Though, right? scoring the most points in franchise history. And then the next week, they beat Kansas City for the first time uh, since 2020. So, uh, I don't know, man. I, I think he's doing just Almost. fine. And yeah, I think the the Raiders, talent-wise, are a very flawed team. So, I, I think that uh, he wasn't given the best roster to work with. They have a couple star yep. players on both sides, but not much else besides a, a handful of players. So, I think he did really well. I think that he trusted his defensive coordinator. I think that he was able to get the offense going, work with the offense uh, coordinator that he used. So they're going to hire somebody else. They're they're looking <laughs> at different options, and that, I, I think that, that lies the issue. There's no continuity going into year two. That's not always a bad thing. I know it's your it's the default to prefer continuity over not continuity. But when Josh McDaniels and his coaching tree was the previous year i think you need to change it up yep but i just think that pierce is either going to hire a really good offensive coordinator and they'll have a good year or two and then he'll be poached and he'll be back at ground zero or he's going to hire a bad offensive coordinator and he's going to be on the he'll be on he'll be out on the streets in two years I think if Pierce was the head coach the entire season, they would have made the playoffs. Oh, no. The AFC is so stacked. But that's like if saying it, if Burrow played the whole year that the Bengals would have made the playoffs. His record was 5-4 and four as a head coach in a very tough division. And I think that if they finished, what, 8-9, and nine, I think that if he started the entire year, they would have gotten at least two more wins. They would have made the playoffs. But down this hypothetical rabbit hole, in the game that they scored sixty three points, would Justin Herbert be playing that game? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a hypothetical rabbit hole. Gets the only thing I'm changing is Josh McDaniels not being the coach. 
<laughs> I'm not changing. I'm not changing any events that happen. Have you not watched Back to the Future? If you change one event, it changes everything. Come on, Marty. <laughs> uh, I know your hypothetical rabbit hole changes one thing, but like, and down the hypothetical rabbit hole, you could change fifteen thousand things that happened. What if Tyler Bass made that kick last week? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, what if Tyler Bass uh, made more kicks? This is true. Uh, I just want to say that anyone that's giving him death threats in it or reaching out to him negatively, they're the worst type of people. Because yeah. these are pl- these these guys are doing the best at their jobs. Like, imagine if you were at your job and you messed something up, and you had like a whole bunch of people like on social media being like, "Die, dude, die." Yeah, those it's are the worst insane. kind of losers. The worst yep. kind of losers. Yep, he had to deactivate his social media. So I just want to say that. Tyler Bass, like, we all have bad days at the office, and there will be better days at the office. So, all right. Are you ready to hop to the next coaching hire? Yep. Let's do it. All right. This is the one I was alluding to. The guy with the second pitch. This is Brian Callahan. He was hired as the head coach by the Tennessee Titans. And this is a big hire because he proved this year that he was able to pivot off of Joe Burrow and go with Jake Browning. And and for me, for me, that's a big uh, second pitch and a, a thing that you want to see from a head coach type. And he's done it. He's shown me that he's able to uh, coach at this level and he's able to pivot really easily. And the, this is a ever changing business. And uh, he's a guy that I could see having success. And I think that he's actually a better hire than Mike Vrabel. And you know, I'm a big Mike, Mike Vrabel guy. Like, I just feel like he is a, a an offensive guy and be a guy that can lead and pivot really quickly my only thing is antonio pierce does not have any history of calling plays so he's an offensive coordinator in name only he did what the head coach is supposed to do from the offensive coordinator position while the head coach was doing what the offensive coordinator is supposed to do by actually calling plays so a little bit of role reversal but everything anyone has said about him is that he brings the best out of players and he motivates them and he smooths out problems and helps people get prepared. And every quarterback he's ever worked with only has nice things and positive things to say about him. He got the Peyton Manning stamp of approval as well. So uh, I think he has a chance to be a good coach. And I mean, the Titans are a team that they had a, an offensive line head coach. Like guy went straight from coaching offensive line to head coach and that didn't work out well. So I, I think this is a better hire than they're used to making. So I, I think it has a chance to be good. And this just tells you that they probably will be rolling with Will Levis next year and want Callahan to improve him and get the best out of him. So do that, you think they, do you think there's a shot there or what are your, I, what are your feelings on that one? I think there's a shot that he can get Will Levis to perform at a high level, but I also think there's a shot that Will Levis fizzles out. I would think that they, if that's the scenario, that they would let him draft a quarterback at some point and keep Callahan. But it could be one of those things that if he doesn't get Will Levis going, he might be out the door too. Yep. I do think he has a little bit of time because I don't think they can move on from another coach after Rabel like that this quickly. So I think he ha- probably has three years. So probably one with Levis, whether he decides whether he can use him or not, and then a year to draft and develop a guy, and then a third year to use that guy to go forward. Yeah, that would be my that would be my assessment for that. And I feel like Carolina's position has a 
a minimum of three years as well, just given what they did with Frank Reich. And uh, there is some job security to be had with that. Well, the the Titans owners are not wealthy compared to the other ones. They're they're on the poorer side, so I doubt that they would fire him before three or four years in. I could see that. I can agree with you on that. See, I don't fight you on everything, Alex. Just most things. Uh, we 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 text fight more than we do in person fight. Hey, I call you out on stuff regularly, but uh, we both have our opinions and we're both dug in, and that's kind of what makes us love the sport even more. Speaking of your opinion on things, what is your opinion on the Panthers hiring from within Dan Morgan as their new general manager? So Dan Morgan has a very special place in my heart as a linebacker for the Carolina Panthers very early on in the franchise with Sam Mills. And we all know that there's a Sam statue outside of the Carolina Panthers stadium. Um, And Carolina, I'll, I'll go on a little tirade here for a second. Carolina has a history of being able to hire linebackers very well or find linebackers very well. Like look at Luke Keekley, Sam Mills, Dan Morgan. So they've always had this, even Shaq Thompson. Yep. Thomas Davis. Yep. Um, it's just been it's been linebacker after linebacker. They've always had that. Uh, I'm hoping that he's not a Tepper yes man, and that's why Tepper hired him. That's my biggest concern out of this, to be very honest and very frank, is if you're hiring internal, are you going to be the guy that like just says yes to the owner because you are the owner's chosen one? Um so that makes me a little nervous. I would rather have a guy that would go against the grain and fight for what he believes in. And that is something that's what kind of gives me pause on this. Like I like the guy. I like what he's done. He's very highly spoken about in league circles, but internal hire Tepper's having trouble with the organization right now. That does give me a little bit of pause right now that are we going to get a culture change that we need from the Carolina Panther organization? And I don't know if that happens with the internal hire. Well, you can look at it a couple different ways. So you can look at it and, and say, well, he was with the organization last year, and that debacle of how the season played out, uh, was he one of the ones that was uh, one of the too many voices making selections? And was he involved in the, the player selections and how everything turned out this year? Uh, the other thing is, I mean, he was the Buffalo Bills director of player personnel from 2018 to 2020. So he was there when they were when the Bills were making good decisions. So he has a little bit of that pedigree. So we're we're hoping it's the Buffalo Bills side and that maybe he had better thoughts than the general manager had, better better evaluations and would have made better moves than than Carolina's previous general manager, but from the outside it kind of seems like other general manager candidates didn't want to work with Tepper, so he had to promote from within. That's what it kind of seems like. But I'm hoping, for your sake and Panthers fans' sake, that that's not the case, and he's really, he's really worth it. Yeah, I'm really hoping so too, because obviously we want more organizations that are better in the league, because it just makes the product better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's why the playoff games get the most viewership. So. I'm just hoping this can put Carolina back on the map, but the big thing is going to be the coaching hire, and we know that there's a few rumored names out there, and we'll see what they do 
in regards to that. It does seem like they're going to have their pick of a few good options as long as they want to come and coach in Carolina. Yeah, he can't be any worse than Federer. Right. All right. So we can move on to another GM hire, and the former Chargers GM, Tom Telesco, was hired as the Las Vegas Raiders GM, and so he will pair with Antonio Pierce. But he's coming off just being the Chargers GM right now. What are your thoughts on that? Was that very strategic of them? I mean, he usually hits his first two rounds. I don't know if that's true every single time, but that's something that the Raiders have lacked when they had Mike Mayock as their GM. Uh, he missed on their first two rounds and got the meat of the draft. So that'll be uh, an interesting difference here. I don't know. I, I'm not that impressed. I think he was probably one of the uh, the cheaper options, so to speak, because the Ra- Raiders owner is not uh, doesn't have a lot of cash. So we'll see. Oh, right. But I think it's very good because they'll be able to scout the Chargers talent very easily, just knowing the talent that's over there, which gives them a little bit of an advantage in the division because he should know the Raiders talent. He should know the Chargers talent. He should know the Chiefs talent. And he should know the Broncos talent, like the back of his hand because they're in division. So keeping him in division is kind of a strategic advantage, at least for the first two or three years of, of this. So we'll see if it works. It's a bold move. And uh, he's had some good selections, as you mentioned, in the draft. Um the last couple of years. So we'll see if he can kind of bring that over here. He was just collateral damage because they, they really needed to tear everything down in, in, in Chargerville. Um, so we have Shane Waldron hired as the offensive coordinator for the Bears. Um, where do you have them going for quarterback in 2024? Is it jo- Justin Fields or is it Caleb Williams being drafted at the number one pick? I'm still undecided for, for them. I think they still don't 100% know because they've, they interviewed a wide variety of people before settling in on Waldron. They, I mean, they looked at Greg Roman, which tells me that they thought about and seeing what it would be like if they kept Justin Fields. They interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, which would be a hundred percent sign that they would have gone with Caleb Williams in the draft. They went with Waldron. I think that would still lean drafting a quarterback because I don't think he was a perfect match for Geno and his skill set. Um, it's just interesting with the Bears moving on from their previous OC, Luke Getze, who, ironically, the offense under Getze and the offense, the Seattle offense under uh, Waldron finished very close to each other. One was 17, one was 18, and Getze was actually higher. So it's almost like the, the meme with the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. It seems like nearly a... Uh, a lateral move. However, Getze is more of a rush first offense and get the quarterback to run, whereas Waldron is more of a, a pass happy offense. So that again leans towards drafting more of a pocket passing quarterback. So at this point, I, I think that they move on from Fields in some capacity and will draft a quarterback. Yeah, it makes uh, from my point of view, it just makes sense to start over the rookie clock. I also believe that it was very smart of Chicago. So they got the first offensive coordinator that I'm aware of that actually got hired. So it's a pretty big deal to get that. And number two, I I think it was great that they casted a wide net and they kind of gathered as much information as they could before going in a direction. And they have themselves in a direction right now where they could go either way. And for me, that is very smart. But for me, the, the smartest thing, to do 
is to go after Caleb Williams because they're playing with house money with the Carolina pick. You're not going to play with house money a lot. So it's it's time to spend that versus reinvest it into more house money because I don't think they'll ever have a pick that high again where they could go get another quarterback. I, I just don't think there, there's no history of a team trading away a first round pick for next year and it being the number one overall pick. So it's just, it's one of those things where the universe is saying, spend it, spend it, spend it. But the Bears have bungled a lot. And I do think that Justin Fields has a potential of being the fourth best quarterback in that division behind Kirk Cousins. Jordan Love and um, Jared Goff next year. So it's something to look at there. Like, is he ever going to improve enough to win that division? And I don't think the answer is yes, to be honest. So, <laughs> Especially with Jordan Love getting paid. Well, somehow in division, the Vikings are going to trade Justin Jefferson to get up to the first overall pick and select the quarterback. And somehow... They're going to do that within division for whatever reason. No. Uh, most likely Bears take a quarterback. Will it be Caleb Williams? I don't know. The more I watch of Caleb Williams, the less impressed I am. And I'm not even sure he's better than Justin Fields at this point. So I don't know if. Uh, I think his ceiling's higher, right? His talent level is higher. He's more of a thrower, but he's a scrambling thrower, if that makes sense. He can't stay in the pocket, wants to get out of the pocket every single time but he doesn't run, which is really weird. I There's things I like about Justin uh, Fields' game that I think is better than Williams, but it just depends on what you want from a, from a quarterback. I think that May is probably a better franchise quarterback for the long term. I like Bo Nix. I like Jaden Daniels to a degree. Uh, I like uh, for playoff caliber teams at the end of the first round or beginning of the second or something. I, I like Penix there for those guys. But I think Penix is a little bit overrated coming out of college, but he's still a quality game manager kind of quarterback. But I don't know. I, I think Caleb Williams has been overhyped. I think everyone is being lazy and they're just like, Caleb Williams is good because they just repeat it back and forth. So that seems to happen a lot in sports media. Yeah. Do you think, do you think Justin Fields is $40 million Worth forty million dollars more than Caleb Williams at this point, though. Uh, do season. I think he's worth forty million more than Caleb Williams? No. Do yeah, I think he's worth? Do I think he's worth more than Daniel Jones? I'd say yes. Exactly. So that's what I, that's what I'm saying. That's the contract that you'd have to pay him, and you would have to pick and choose other areas that you're not going to pay and let go and bolster. So. See, I don't think another team would pay him that. So I I, I don't even think it would be a big deal. I think you could pay him less than forty million per year. And anyone who, I what team is gonna what team is gonna match that? No team is gonna match that. It's just the going rate for starting NFL quarterback. So either you think That's, he's a starter or you don't think he's a starter. The going That's rate. That's kind of what that boils down to. The going rate is what you can get away with paying them. Yeah, and I don't think Daniel anyone Jones else forty. Yeah, and that was a huge mistake. Yeah, I think people. I know, and I think they would pay Fields that, and it would be a huge mistake. I think Daniel Jones. I think that Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, I think these are guys that people are like, why do we pay them so much money? And I think teams are going to be more cautious with non-bona fide quarterbacks when it comes to contracts. I think quarterback contracts for anyone outside of the truly elite is going to be pretty low, or much lower than it is now. So 
what you're so the scenario that you're laying out though would lay out fields to saying no i'm not going to sign a cheap contract and you would hit the open and free market and be able to sign with whoever or the bears would have to tag him and pay him the top the average of the top five salaries in the league so either way it's up over the 40 million dollar mark i don't i don't think anyone in the uh, free agency would offer him 40 million per year i don't think it's but why would he would stick with chicago because he's familiar in the whole system why why would no, they he? just switch like there's that's a brand true. new system kind of coming in this year so that's true but he has a connection with yeah. dj Moore. they're they're best friends uh. forever forever now <laughs> they hold hands in the park exactly <laughs> uh but dj moore is getting up there in age what is he 27 28 right now are you joking you know wide receivers what? make it to at least like 32 26. 33 he'll be 27 but no the only the elite receivers make it that late you don't think dj yeah. moore's elite no i think deandre hopkins is elite and that's why he was no. able to put up another thousand yard receiving season and he's, no, he's no longer Jefferson. elite I like him a no, lot. He was. I like him a lot, but he yep. he's he was not elite this year. Correct, because he's on the back nine. But only people that were elite at one point can make it that late. Is basically what I was saying. That's why Julio was able to make it so late. It's why, um, it's why it's why these older receivers just don't make it this late typically. All right, Diggs was elite at one point. I think Diggs still so. is. He just had a weird year. Yeah, I want to know what happened. <laughs> all well, right so we it's like to... it, it's like your buddy down the street said he probably secretly broke his back and they just haven't haven't released it absolutely and uh yeah i just think that it, i want to know what happened i want to hear what happened they really can't cut him this year because they would lose one million in cap space if they cut him like without a post june first whatever so they can't really lose him off the roster this year from what the from the from a money standpoint they sound like they have no intention of getting rid of him correct and i think it's i wonder if some of it's money related or if some of it's talent and admiration related so i I always wonder what people's motivation is when it comes to that but speaking of two people that will be retained both mike mccarthy and nick sirianni will both be returning to dallas and philadelphia as their head coaches in 2024 Nick Sirianni will have two new coordinators as both the offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, and the defensive coordinator slash um, interim defensive coordinator. I believe that was Matt Patricia, the second one, are out after one season. The only candidate that's been named so far is Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator position. I thought Ron Rivera would be done after he lost the commander's job. Like He's older. He overcame cancer. Time to move on in life. But he's a grown-up that would actually probably really help Nick Sirianni in this situation, and I really like that hire because Nick Sirianni, Sirianni needs a grown-up in the room. Uh, oh, first, I just, any take I just saw on a news blur. Well, I just saw a news blur for uh, the Eagles that they are interviewing Cliff Kingsbury for offensive coordinator. <laughs> Another immature dude. Another young yep. immature guy. Blow up in the next year and a half. Yeah, yeah. well, the Eagles talent right now but, the eagles but... are going to trade jalen hurts in a first round pick up to number one overall to take caleb williams problem the problem with that is that you have fields and hurts yeah but they, they would just trade fields somewhere but yeah probably for a second yeah I, I don't know if that would be the best hire for that team right now so <laughs> <laughs> but you saw my my on the spot reaction like what could go wrong with Kingsbury, who did terrible in Arizona, and 
Sirianni, who failed this year without Steichen. And uh, honestly, out of the two between McCarthy and Sirianni, Sirianni is the one that should have been gone here. Yeah. And it's only because he, I think they will be more of the same down the stretch Eagles than they were uh, at the beginning of the year Eagles. And I think that they probably are closer to a 500 team at that point. Which is weird. So the Eagles have one of the most talented rosters mm-hmm. in the league, but their preparation is non-existent with Sirianni. Like their previous coordinators' preparation was great, but Sirianni preparation is terrible. Sirianni is like flicking off fans. He's completely immature in all of his press conferences. He sounds he sounds unprepared even for his own press conferences as well. <laughs> I, I just he had to go. Mike McCarthy, you can. You could pick at his postseason success of late, but Nick Sirianni, it like I why he still has a job, I have no idea. I just don't get it, especially an off season where there, there's seemingly so many quality head coaching candidates. Like this was the off season to fire him. Like next off season, are there going to be as many good head coaching candidates? I don't think so. So I what are you going to do next year? What are you going to do next year when? He fizzles out again, and there's no one to, to, to bring in to make an improvement. What are you going to do? Uh, That's a good question. So, at least, think... with, I was gonna say, at least with Dallas, McCarthy is, is going to get them to the playoffs every year. He might not win a playoff game, but he'll get them there. Yeah, I think, though, that his Super Bowl this year was beating the Chiefs, which is a huge problem. Right? I don't know. No? I mean, I, I guess, but honestly, you saw how he reacted. Yeah, but he also got beat by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when people were joking that the NFC South shouldn't even have a spot in the playoffs. So, oh boy, I, I just I, don't see them getting over five hundred with him as a coach. Yeah, but Brian Johnson as an OC was terrible. I mean, both guys they trotted out as defensive coordinator. Matt Patricia and I can't even remember the guy before him. They're both terrible. I, I can't. I, I can't believe Matt Patricia keeps getting jobs. So I don't know. If Sirianni thought he could just throw anyone out there and have success, but it didn't work. He should be gone. Um, I don't really have much else to say at this point. Don't don't worry, Siri. Um, Matt Patricia will have a job very shortly when Bill Belichick is hired by uh, the Falcons. Hmm. When Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia rejoin Bill Belichick. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next piece of information here. And it sounds like Pittsburgh is going to hire a new offensive coordinator from the outside and bring in QB competition for current starting quarterback Kenny Pickett. And it doesn't sound like it's going to be Mason Rudolph. So it sounds like Mason Rudolph, welcome back to the bench. And uh, Kenny Pickett will come on down until we we figure out the next person that we want to either sign in free agency, which it sounds like that would make Mitchell Trubisky a cap casualty and a roster casualty, I should say, also. And uh, we'll see who they can bring in off of the streets to be some quarterback competition for Kenny Pickett. Now, what if I told you it was like a Carson Wentz or a Jameis Winston type that would come in and compete with Kenny Pickett? Carson Wentz would be okay for passing. I don't think it's going to be Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston somehow stays with the Saints for whatever reason. Uh, I, I do think, think just after 
going against Dan- Dennis Allen's wishes that last play. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't think that's that big of a deal. But I think Justin Fields should be heavily considered for the Steelers. Because I, I think he would be a really good quarterback. I think he'd be an upgrade over Kenny Pickett. And I think that uh, he would continue on the smash-mouth element of their offense. So I think he would be good with Najee and Jalen Warren. Uh, they would control They would control the possession. They control the clock and keep the defense rested. And the defense would be uh, really good as well. So, Yeah, I, I, think I do need to see some more down-the-field targets for Deontay and Pickens. So, so someone needs to be able to do that. Yeah, we'll see. But I think they should probably bring in Greg Roman because Greg Roman also has experience in that division as yeah. well. So, no, I I agree that would that would be an interesting combo right there. But uh, I think this is an interesting off season at quarterback for the Steelers, and I think I said Wentz and Winston because I do want to see gunslingers there. <laughs> I want to see gunslingers everywhere because it's just NFL is a lot more fun with with quarterbacks throwing the ball, even if it's interceptions more often than not. All right. So I guess one piece of information that went under the radar this week, and I'm not sure it's a big deal, but we did talk about Gabe Davis earlier this week or earlier this podcast episode, and his contract should expire and they may not resign him, but they did sign former Denver Broncos, KJ Hamler, and they signed him to a futures deal. So that's kind of an under the radar signing on a guy that is in his early 20s right now. So Hamler right now is 24 years old, and he's entering his fifth year of experience in the NFL. So it's a guy that I'm not like fully bought in on yet, but if the Bills don't do a ton of upgrades at wide receiver, he's a guy to like look out for for next year, like as a dark horse. Did you see that signing earlier this week, Alex? No, it didn't catch my notice, but... There was a time where people futures. Yeah, there was a time people thought he'd break out with the Broncos, and unfortunately, he had that heart issue, and then ended up getting waived with the injury designation. So, I I just uh, remember him complaining last year with Russell missing him. (laughs) Yeah, Russell wasn't very good last year, any way you look at it. But he could fill in the Gabe Davis role, and he's younger too. He is. He's he's uh what three years younger than Gabe Davis, so. Uh, that's a lie. Him and Gabe are the same age. They're actually born in the same month, it looks like. Uh, no. So he's three months younger than Gabe. But, uh, good Gabe replacement there. Yeah, and I think he is a deep threat, and he'll finally have a a quarterback that can toss it and chuck it to him. Yep, that is an interesting under-the-radar one. I kind of want to point that out for folks that may have missed that. And uh, I was always wondering where he would sign because he was still 24 years old when the Broncos released him with this heart issue. So I was just wondering, and here we are. He actually plays with one of the best quarterbacks in the league now. So no more excuses, KJ Hamler. And the last news item that we have is the Harbaugh watch continues for another week with the Chargers and the Falcons on second interviews with the current Michigan football head coach. Where do you think he goes, Alex? It sounds like he's out to dinner with the Chargers the last few nights. Yeah, there's a lot of smoke out there that it's basically a done deal. Harbaugh wants to be with the Chargers. The Chargers want Harbaugh. So it's like a 95% chance that he ends up with uh, the Chargers at this point, unless they somehow mess it up. 
I mean, I, I, I think it's going to. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I still can't rule out Washington at this point because I think they're also one of the best destinations out of the openings. Uh, it's an hour away from Has his he interviewed brother. It's an hour away from his brother's different conference. I think that they have a talented offense. I think they have the second overall pick and five picks in the first three rounds. So I, I think that's a good destination. And if he ends up going to the Chargers, I think Ben Johnson is the, the next guy to end up in Washington. But I, I think that those should be the top two places for him. Falcons seem pretty locked into Bill Belichick. I don't know how serious the Harbaugh interest is, but they, they really like Bill Belichick. This is a team that hired a Belichick GM disciple in Thomas Dimitrov, uh, who ended up trading up for Julio Jones, I think his first or second year as the GM there. So they've had a lot of love for Belichick for a while. I expect him to go there. I expect Harbaugh to go to Chargers at this point. I still can't believe the Bears didn't even attempt to go after Harbaugh, but it is what it is. I'll be honest, if I was Harbaugh, I probably wouldn't have took a call from the Bears. And as far as I know, he hasn't taken a call from the Commanders just yet. So I think you and I see the Commander's job completely different because I see the Commander's job as bear at quarterback, bear at pass-catching options outside of McLaurin, bear of pass rushers. And those are the three most important positions on the field. And they're also bear at offensive line who gave up the most sacks this past year so they have a lot to do with that money and there's not going to be a lot of options to fill those needs because those just don't come open very often i think they gave up a lot of sacks because sam howell held on to the ball too long i think it's a combo but i I don't think it's just sam howell if i'm a head coach i want some say in the decision making for personnel so if i see Mm -hmm. the second overall pick it's a quarterback rich draft i can choose my quarterback potentially or mm-hmm. we can sign someone because they have the second most cap. So we can sign someone in free agency like Kirk Cousins, bring him back to Washington. He's not um, going back there after the owner. I, the last owner didn't even know his name. Um, I would try to bring back Curtis Sable. Hmm. Because I, I think having the trio of Terry McLaren, um, Dotson, and Samuel, I think those three guys are a good one, two, three combo. I, I mean, I still like Brian Robinson a lot. I think he can also catch out of the backfield. I'd want to improve over Logan Thomas as a tight end, but you have a chance of that in this draft. If I'm a coach and I get say so, I know both sides of the ball. Like I feel like Harbaugh knows a little bit of both sides of the ball. I think that I can find a pass rusher myself. So <laughs> I, I, I would draft They don't grow on trees. One. No, they don't. Yeah, they just don't grow on trees. Except and they for trade away two of them. If you're the Texans, you just find them out of nowhere. You find them out of the free agent bargain bin as well as draft one. I was going to say, you traded this year's first round to get up to three. to get For one of them. Will Anderson. But, but Greener, like, he was nothing before this year. Like, he wasn't... Yeah, he wasn't, the attention Anderson gets makes him something. I'm just saying, man. No matter who I just put, don't know how they traded Young and Montez Sweat for pennies, basically. And when pass rushers don't grow on trees. So quarterback, Mm. protecting the quarterback, giving the quarterback options to throw to, and getting to the other team's quarterback are the four most important pillars in the NFL. And I know you like Samuel, and and Dotson just didn't take a year too late at all. He regressed. 
year two. So he would have to show up big next year. Samuel's a good gadget guy. McLaurin is in his late 20s now and not ever elite. So we know he's going to hit the backside real quick here soon. So I just don't see it being that great of a job. I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But we'll see if Ben Johnson's up to it because it does seem like he's the favorite right now. Okay. Well, let's. I'm uh, glad that we don't get him. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. so in a weird way, I prefer Canellis because that's what it's leaning towards right at this exact moment. And there's a reason for that because he was able to go last year and make Gino the comeback player of the year. And then he's also probably going to make Baker the comeback player of the year. Like Baker's going to be pretty close. I think the Mar Hamlin might get it just due to the overall love and everything. But Baker is, should be right up there for comeback player of the year. And I think there's one common denominator between those two quarterbacks. So tells me something. I think. That for the past months, you have been harping on Ben Johnson's coming to Carolina. Ben Johnson's coming to Carolina. And I said, I, I like Canales a lot, and you poo-pooed on that. And now, all of a sudden, Canales might be coming to Carolina. Now you're like, I think that's the better option my Carolina. I think that's the better <laughs> option. Um, I'm not so <laughs> sure that Ben Johnson is going to be that great of a head coach. And we'll see. Well, we will see. He had the benefit of continuity for two years, and not very many offensive coordinators get that with with, with coach, with quarterback, with the top pass catcher. They even added another top pass catcher, so he's had a lot of benefits that Canales hasn't had, and that's kind of what I'm interested in in Carolina is they need someone that hasn't had all the everything handed to them with a silver spoon and. Uh, this is kind of where we're at right now in Carolina. We don't get silver spoons over there. Well, I mean, to to that, I will just say that although I really, really like Canales, mm-hmm. when he was in Seattle as the quarterback coach for Geno Smith, for Geno Smith's best, highest career year, they had DK Metcalf one hit wonder. and Tyler Lockett. And with Tampa Bay, being the coordinator with Tampa Bay with Baker, they have Mike Evans, they have Otten, they have Godwin and Palmer. So it's not like he's working with nothing from the receiver group. So I will say that, but Canales seems to get the best out of his quarterbacks, and he seems to find a way to scheme things open. He seems to find a way to break down the basics and then build up back up from the basics. So if Carolina hires him and he retains play calling duties, he is going to break down his offense to the very basic level. And those are going to be his core blocks, if you will. And then from there, he's going to add wrinkles. So there, there are going to be some times where the play is sometimes too basic, but then he'll change it up and get um, a little bit more advanced. I think that if if you guys hire him, I think that's good twofold because one, I think he'll have a chance to get the best out of Bryce Young. And two, you're stealing him from a division rival, and that's always a good thing. So... I hope that it works out for you guys. I hope that you get them. I, I like them. And we're always, uh, you literally, before the show started, you were literally talking about what you like uh, in head coaches that are successful is they're typically offensive and they typically mm-hmm. call their own plays. So if they lose a coordinator, the offense is still cohesive and they still keep being successful. So Mm-hmm. He's young. He's inventive. He builds up quarterbacks. I think there's a lot to like if you guys hire him. And now you know why I changed my mind because 
uh, <laughs> a piece of information came out and someone pointed to that piece of information of what, how Shanahan has been so successful regardless of the offensive coordinator. And then the other piece of information came out that every offensive coordinator job has been changed since 2022, since the offseason of 2022. And it got me thinking, like, how do we get sustained success instead of just one year of success? And that's kind of where I'm at mentally. Okay. Well, we will keep track of additional coaching changes and talk about it next week. But let's go ahead and wrap up the show by talking about our preview and our picks of the conference championship matchups. So we can get started with the Chiefs at the Ravens. Jeff, who do you think wins this? Do you think there's an X factor here that that carries them over? So I think that there is a history of whomever beats the Buffalo Bills in the postseason, they lose the next week. And I think the Buffalo Bills take a lot out of teams to beat in the postseason. So I don't think the Chiefs are going to be nearly as well rested as the Ravens are. And I do believe that the Ravens, even with an extra day rest also, are going to dominate and easily make it to the Super Bowl in this game. Alex, who you got? You know, it's interesting that Baltimore and Kansas City are the number one and number two defense in points against. I find that very interesting. Their their defenses line up pretty evenly except for interceptions where Baltimore is a lot better at takeaways than Kansas City is. But everything else they line up closely on. However, offensively, Baltimore is much better. So add in Mark Andrews. Uh don't know if Mark Andrews plays, but it's tough because playoff Kansas City is different than regular season Kansas City. However, what'd you say? Playoff playoffs. Playoffs. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think Baltimore is the better team right now. I, I think that I also couldn't stand if Kansas City made it to the Super Bowl, and also. The NFL logo colors, you always have to factor that in. And it was purple <laughs> and red. So Baltimore has to make it as one of the only two purple teams in the league and the only one that made it to the playoffs. So Baltimore has to make it. So I'm going Baltimore, Jeff. All right. I think we are in agreement of that one. And that leaves us with the NFC side of the house, and that's the Lions at the 49ers. Alex, I will let you get kicked off with this one, breaking it down. Oh, man, I really would like to see the Lions make it and I'd make some money. But I also like Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. I think the 49ers are the better overall team. I think that Goff is not quite as good away as he is at home. I I think that we all know that the 49ers are really good defense. They're third overall in points against. And I I think that in some ways they're they're better than that. They're both really good offenses. This is going to be really tough, but... I, even with Debo potentially being out for this matchup, I think I'm still going to go 49ers. But I'm happy either way as a fan, no matter which team wins this this one. Okay. So I think what I saw last week of the 49ers being very dependent on Christian McCaffrey, that I'm going to go in the other direction, and I am going to pick your beloved Detroit Lions to win this matchup. And that would make a Lions-Ravens Super Bowl, which 
I know the Ravens have won the Super Bowl before, but Lamar's never won the Super Bowl before, so this feels like a different team and a different dream. So, what are your thoughts? My my thoughts are that you just want to prove that the logo thing isn't a real thing, the logo conspiracy. So that's one thing. It's and it's meant to be broken like the Madden curse. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is, I'm shocked that you picked Detroit after preseason pooping on them basically uh pretty sure like you said that they that they aren't going to win the division that they probably won't make playoffs and here they are they won their division but you have them now going to the super bowl jeff i do i do and it's just from what i've seen lately and i think sam laporte has been on fire i think gibbs so i think all their weapons line up with san francisco and Will their defense be able to create pressure on Purdy? Because pressure on Purdy is what makes that house of cards fall. We'll see. It goes both I, ways. I don't, really, I, don't have, I don't have the answer <laughs> on that. But we already know that the San Francisco team is going to create pressure on Goff. So like Goff's going to have, they're going to have to have a game plan to get the ball out of Goff's hand as, as quickly as possible. As far as I'm concerned, Goff and Purdy are basically the same quarterback this year. Yeah. And. I think it's more likely to struggle in the elements. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about per se elements, but uh, they both struggle under pressure. They both have very similar stats as well this year. They both um, are kind of still underrated despite performing as well as they've had. And they're both on very talented rosters. So I think there's a lot going for them. And I hope that this is a really good game. I think they're both going to be really great slobber knocker games where players are going to, they're going to obviously put all their all on this, but I feel like these are four of the most talented teams to hit the conference finals in quite some time. There's no like Blake Bortles Jaguars here. Yep. I hope the Detroit San Francisco game is similar to the Buffalo Kansas City game last week. And I hope that the Ravens win by at least 30 over Kansas City. You'll be placing that bet very shortly, is that correct, at your local sportsbook? You know we don't have sportsbooks in Texas. (laughs) Oh, Texas. Texas for the loss. That's okay. (laughs) All right. That is it. So I have a Lions-Ravens Super Bowl, and you have a Ravens-49ers Super Bowl. There is also the possibility that we're not talking about the Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl, which was the very first game of the year, which would be an interesting like bookend season. So, Yeah, I, I just don't want the Chiefs to make it. They don't deserve it. You just don't like greatness. Regular season. You don't like greatness. No, it's not that. I just don't like the same team over and over and over and over and over winning. Because it's boring. I mean, if it was the Panthers and the Texans this year, it would be one of the lowest watched Super Bowls of the year. So that's a lie. America does not that, agree. That's agree. a bald faced lie. People would get <laughs> thrilled that it's a different result. And a, for, hey, whenever there's a team that has never won a Super Bowl that makes it, that's the highest ratings of all time. I'm telling you, America does not like the underdog they love the no in the super bowl america likes the underdog when it's a regular season game they like the cowboys and the chiefs 
<laughs> Patriot stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. And you can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.